suddenly out of the blue, the world is 240 million years older than it was before. Right? And these are dates that are just, just plucked out of the air. And this is Changing the Narrative. I'm your host, David Reeves. On Changing the Narrative, we like to look back at history because the whole point of this is we have been spoon-fed a narrative by with an atheistic agenda. We have been spoon-fed a narrative uh, by the media. We have been spoon-fed a narrative through the educational system, and that narrative is set to promote a series of ideals. Most of those ideals go against the biblical record. They go against the God of the Bible, and ultimately, they go away from the Christian ideology of Jesus Christ. So on Changing the Narrative today, I have Joe Hubbard with me. Welcome to the program. It's good to be back. And uh, we sort of left off the last program on the Greeks, and we're sort of starting with the Greeks to go forward on our next uh, trip through history, because we're really starting to get into the nitty gritty of where this idea of millions of years and evolution and all that came from. So Yeah, it's it's important. I mean, just to briefly summarize, uh, when I've had you on previous programs, we, we looked at all the way back to the Babylonians, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all the way to the earliest points of history, we've seen this attempt to compromise and insert large amounts of time yeah. into the histories of these different civilizations. Yeah. And yet there's been one historical record that has stood the test of time, and that, of course, is the biblical record. Yeah, you've got it in your hand right That's there. That's the one. Well, we kind of left the last time I was on kind of with this idea of the Greeks mingling a pagan ideology with a naturalistic philosophy Uh and ending up giving birth to really the theory of evolution or the idea of evolutionary change this idea of spontaneous generation given enough time life can evolve from non-life given enough time these creatures go on and produce hopeful creatures which can go on and survive and off and off and off right But, Um, but just just to summarize because for those who didn't hear the last last episode you're talking about Way back to ancient Greek. This is philosophy. ancient Greek. Yeah, yeah. This is you not know, Charles Darwin's years time. Ago, two and a half, three thousand. No, this <laughs> is way before Charles Darwin. So really, we've got to this point where the Greeks are promoting a paganized, naturalistic philosophy. Yeah. Now, where do we go from there? Okay. Well, I've got a couple of fossils here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one there that is a. Uh, well, you can tell me what that, that is, David. That looks like a very large shark's tooth. Shark tooth. Well, that's a very large. This is a very large shark tooth. This is the. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very, very large shark tooth. Okay. Now, this is, of course, the megalodon shark tooth, okay. right? The, the the great meg. Right? Yeah. It's a real, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah. Um, but that's more kind of the your great white shark kind of size tooth. And that's the kind of thing which the ancient Greeks would have found. Okay. Because these shark teeth are found in the fossil record all around Greece and around the Greek Empire, right? Yeah. Now, going back to this idea of this paganization, this naturalistic pagan idea, the Greeks puzzled over this because you looked at that and said hey it's a shark tooth yeah. right we can show it up and i've got kids who say hey it's a shark tooth because yeah. it looks like a shark tooth mm-hmm. but the ancient greeks what philosophy were they coming from this pagan philosophy yes. where originally they believed in many many gods okay. and they believed that their gods were like us but bigger so oh. if we can create something, then the gods could create bigger things. Okay. If we can get angry, then the gods can get really angry. And if we can play tricks, then they believe the gods could play even bigger tricks. Okay. And they dug up these teeth and they said, hang on a minute, where do sharks live? In the water. In the water. 
these teeth are from the rocks. Sharks live in the water, they don't live in the rocks. Therefore, these ro teeth that we get out of the rocks must be tricks played on us by the gods. This is a big joke. Right? It's yeah. a big joke for us, right? Uh, and they call them tongue stones because turn upside down they're supposed to look a bit like your tongues right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so they called these things tongue stones they said that these were tricks played on us by the gods so good luck try zeus you know you're not going to trick us uh -huh. um, but there we are now they switched from a completely pagan into a naturalistically pagan philosophy right and that influenced all of western civilization because the greeks influenced the romans yep. the romans influenced most of the west mm -hmm. especially the roman catholic the holy roman empire and all that right yep. so for hundreds of years these were believed to just be tricks okay played on us not by the greek gods by the time we get to the middle ages right but by the devil by satan right okay. so throughout the middle ages they believed that these were tricks played on us by the devil yep. right to try and to get us to doubt god's word and so these were never considered to be shark teeth wow right? because of that pagan greek philosophy because of that assumption yeah all right skip forward to the 1600s and you're introduced to a man called nicholas stine okay who came from continental europe uh he actually ended up going on to become a monk okay studying in the church and he wrote a book that thick all about hey if a shark's tooth looks like a shark's tooth both inside and outside mm -hmm. then you can logically and correctly conclude <laughs> it's a shark's teeth right <laughs> if it looks like a duck like, like a duck. exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so um philosophical point here right uh -huh. what the greeks believed was completely logical yeah just happened to be nonsense right right it was it was it was it wasn't wasn't true right so just because something is logical doesn't make it true truth mm. will always be logical mm -hmm. but it doesn't work the other way around right okay. and so his principle was that if a, if a product is exactly like another product in both inside and outside yeah. then it will also be like that in the means of production in other words if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and yeah. it quacks like a duck it is a duck it right a duck. just like it's a shark's teeth yes. so that's really where you end up with this birth of paleontology okay. it came from nicholas stino how did he come to this conclusion well he believed in the bible hmm. right because it says in romans chapter one that god has stamped his nature into oh. creation now one of the parts of god's nature is that he doesn't lie right, right. he is a truthful god mm -hmm. and so stino's argument was simple if god is truth and he has stamped truth into his nature then we can trust the world around us yeah. provided it's in light of the bible right so very good and so he said okay if it looks like a shark's tooth we can logically and truthfully deduce it is in fact a shark's tooth uh -huh. now you can ask the very legitimate question how, how did, did it get, get in there? the rocks right okay. <laughs> and there's your science of paleontology the study of old fossils mm -hmm. he also introduced us to um stratigraphy so the idea of rock layers he mm -hmm. introduced superposition which mm -hmm. is the idea that the bottom layer got there first the top layer got there last which has got a few problems with the way that you use that to interpret the rock layers but mm -hmm. it all stemmed from this belief in genesis Right? interesting and so this is the first real time that people have started going okay we need to stick to this book mm -hmm. we need to use this book as our authority yeah. in going forwards and that's really when you get to the birthplace of science and you'll find this with most of the sciences wait what are you right? you're, you're saying that christians 
are doing science christians in fact i saw a meme on the other day it was you know some of the famous names like you know uh, neil degrasse tyson yeah, and david attenborough yeah. and they said we're scientists and we don't believe in god uh-huh. then they showed you a whole load of other scientists right <laughs> james clark maxwell mm-hmm. newton Kepler, Steiner, and Kepler, newton, yeah. galileo and the yep. meme said we did better science than you and we believed in god yeah. Now, I actually disagree with this sta- that statement. Mm-hmm. I think it should be, we did better science than you because, because we believed in God. Because it was only right. because Nicholas Stino started with the word of God yeah. that he came to the conclusion about shark teeth. Yeah. It was only because uh, James Clark Maxwell read about the Trinity, uh-huh. read about how God has stamped his nature into creation, so he said, oh, what about if light's a Trinity? Right. Right? Ah, and that's where we get our idea of the Trinity of light from, uh-huh. right? The three, and so you find that all of this concept started, started with a belief in the Bible. The greatest discoveries Absolutely. of all science. Absolutely. Is science being done by atheists? Absolutely, we would not doubt that or question that for one second. But the greatest discoveries of all times were clearly Hmm. from those who had a biblical basis, and that is because the biblical basis gave them an advantage in their scientific studies. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where it really came to. Of course, as you get more and more Christian, you then start to have falling away. I mean, this is a picture of humanity right yeah. you read the book of judges yeah. it's, it's right. like you know children of israel following god start worshiping an idol mm-hmm. go into oppression mm-hmm. repent yep. god saves them worshiping god start worshiping an idol over and over and over again right yeah. so you find this this fluctuation author history and uh, you'll find that the first resurgence of deep time and millions of years started with the french okay now the English and the French don't always get along yeah. <laughs> and the English and the Scots don't always get along okay so you'll find throughout history the Scots and the French have tend to be close buddies right it's an interesting yeah. correlation and we won't go into I mean I celebrated Independence Day over here with you a few days ago and we won't talk about the French and all we that. won't talk about that you were waving the, 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 an American yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and the uh, yeah the French influence and all that but anyway <laughs> moving on from that <laughs> um, you'll find that it was the French which really reintroduced this concept of millions of years because of the French Revolution okay now what was the French Revolution down with the monarchy right down yeah. with the patriarchy down with the um, you know the the the, the people this idea of a class system right up with the people viva la france and uh, there was a problem because this is high catholic france okay and in high catholic countries as well as many sort of you know countries that run out of the church yeah. uh, you believe that god appoints the monarch which is actually a biblical principle in terms right. of god appointing leaders leadership. of country and leaderships in country mm-hmm. so if you question the king mm-hmm. you're actually questioning god mm-hmm. it's double treason right mm-hmm. so okay you have all these french revolutionaries that want to get rid of the monarch what are you going to do about that uh-huh. get rid of god you have to get rid of right? god to justify yeah, that once you've got rid of god you have no basis for morality mm-hmm. so you go ahead and chop the king's head off all you want right mm-hmm. and so you'll find that writers like de Malay, buffon voltaire, voltaire was a really famous one yeah. they started promoting a naturalistic philosophy 
based off of the Greeks. And okay. they openly admitted this. They said the Greeks have got it right. Mm -hmm. right? The Greeks have got this naturalistic philosophy right. And so they argued that fossils were inorganic, that a global flood was impossible, the Earth had to be millions, if not billions, of years old, mm -hmm. and that given enough time, life could arise from non-life and give rise to all the diversity that we see today. And so the argument was there is now no God, so we can have a wonderful revolution. Right? What, what, what date are we talking about? We're talking 1700s. 1700s. Okay, yeah, yeah, mid, mid, early to mid-1700s. The, the thing I'm noticing is this is well before well Darwin. Well before Darwin. And French and Scots get on well, so you find that the first influence yeah. of millions of years in evolution that enters British society comes down through the Scots. Okay. So people like James Hutton, yeah. who was a Scottish farmer, who mm. really introduced the world to a principle called uniformitarianism. But the Big long word, is present the key is the key to, key to the past. past. This idea that everything is uniform. So if you go and see a, a, a smallish river yeah. uh, eroding a little gully out today, yeah. well, that must have taken millions of years to erode the Grand Canyon. Right. right. You just or extrapolate outwards. You just outwards. extrapolate outwards. Or, you know, if we see tiny amounts of sedimentation happening today, it must have taken millions of years to, to deposit all the whole great big sandstone deposit, okay. right? That's basically uniformitarian. The present is the key to the past. Yeah. Now, note two things. Number one, so far, there's been no science. Right. Like, science is observation and testing those observations. Mm -hmm. This is all stemmed back to a willful rejection of, number one, truth, but okay. also God, yeah. getting rid of God. And there's been no science as of yet, and yet millions of years here. Secondly, this is well before not only Darwin, mm -hmm. but any kind of modern dating method. Right. right? This is long before carbon-14. This is long before radioactive, radiometric dating. Mm -hmm. It's long before, really, the idea of index fossils and stratigraphy and all that, and yet it's an acceptance of millions of years, mm. right? Um, and this is this is well before. It's, it's pagan idea that's, that's well before all of this. Yeah. Uh, and it really fills down into English society. Note also that this uniformitarian philosophy is completely the opposite to what the Bible teaches. Right. Because the Bible teaches that the past is the key to the present. <laughs> right? What happened in the past explains mm -hmm. how we got here. What happened in the past explains the mess that we're in. Yeah. Uh, and now in a new covenant, looking back is what Jesus has done that saves us. Right. So it's a completely opposite philosophy to what uniformitarianism uh, mm -hmm. teaches, right? What uniformitarian thinking teaches. Yeah. So James Hutton introduced it, but he was never really that popular. The man who really popularized it was a man called Charles Lyell. Okay. All right. Now, Charles Lyell. Another, both of these, these are, are geology. Well, these are, well, Hutton was a farmer. Okay. Uh, Lyell was a lawyer. Yeah. Okay. But you'll find that in high Victorian society, the majority of scientists were referred to as natural philosophers. Right. And they tended to have training in either the law, mm -hmm. in medical science, or mm -hmm. doctors, or they were vicars. Okay. Because these are the height of I got you. you know uh, jobs right this is the height of high Victorian society these are the upper class yeah and really the only ones who could afford to travel and do any kind of research right sure um, so you have a kind of an agenda to want to get rid of any authority anyway so yes it's, especially you know these they're the elites basically the elites, of the day yeah. but again they're they're not looking at biology very much at this point no, we're still almost exclusively dealing with geology okay. in millions of years okay. but but you do have a few people at this time, people like Erasmus Darwin, yeah. 
Charles Darwin's grandfather. Charles Darwin's grandfather. Who is writing about this idea of primordial soup. Out of the primordial swamp life came. He wrote lots of poetry, right, to try and hide this kind of philosophy. Erasmus used to ride around in a carriage Mm. with a picture of shells Mm. on that carriage. And I believe it was Latin, e-conscious, e-conscious something, yeah. everything from shells. Shells, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so what a bumper sticker to have on your car. I mean, <laughs> I you know, think like, about it. Yeah. Just like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a bumper sticker where he is celebrating the idea that everything came from single-celled organisms yeah. or that came yeah. from some... And again, this is two generations before Darwin. Right. Right? Um, and you'll find that Charles Lyell really popularized this idea of millions of years and deep time, this idea of uniformitarianism. He wrote a two-volume book called The Principles of Geology. Okay. Charles Darwin took a copy of The Principles of Geology with him on the HMS Beagle. On the Beagle. And used that philosophy when he was making these observations as he was traveling around Mm -hmm. and interpreting these observations based off of Lyell's ideas. In fact, Charles Darwin actually said... Half, most of my ideas come half out of Lyell's brain anyway, and he never is given any credit for it. Right? All right, so Charles Darwin, he's he's traveling to the Galapagos and all around the world mm-hmm. on on the Beagle here, and mm-hmm. he's he has plenty of time to read. He's mm-hmm. he's taking what one oh, or yeah, two volumes of, of travel of Lyell's books. Mm-hmm. And as he rides past the coast of this, he's looking at those geological layers and he's like, Well, Lyell tells me that they're millions upon millions of years old yeah but then he sees this complex life everywhere he goes and he starts to interpret biology using the exact same methods that lyle used to interpret geology yet darwin he did have an agenda especially later on in life Mm -hmm. but lyle was unapologetic about his agenda what did he say so lyle um mentioned multiple times that his aim and to quote unquote was to free science from moses okay um but he put that was the quote unquote right but he said it several other ways as well he said if i realized that if ever mosaic geology was going to be put down without causing an offense it would be in a historical story so create an historical story to get rid of mosaic geology the idea of noah's flood right we're we're talking about changing narrative here okay that's the reason that we named this podcast changing the narrative because the narrative was set so many times throughout history and he said well if i'm going to influence people with a, an atheistic agenda what i have to do is i have to change the narrative i need to write my own historical narrative write it in the sense act like it's a history book mm-hmm. telling the geology yeah. of the world yeah. and in that history book i'm going to say to state as fact these things are millions of years mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. and see lyle and darwin were a time team <laughs> they worked together yeah. right? because darwin traveled and darwin observed change yeah. famous galapagos yep. beaks right the finch beaks right he observed change yeah. It's definitely change going on. There's sure. still finches, but it's definitely change. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, hang on a minute. If the world is millions of years old, this change happened recently. This change happened over a yeah. few hundred years. Therefore, if the world is millions of years old, surely huge amounts of change can take place. Yeah. That's an assumption. But then it worked the other way as well, because Darwin was influenced by Lyle. Mm-hmm. But Lyle was influenced by Darwin, uh. because Darwin and Lyle went fossil hunting together mm-hmm. in rocks that were now known as the unit we now know as the Ordovician, right? Okay. And they dug up snail shells. And they said, okay, we found 20-odd snail shells going up through the rock layers of different types of snails. And Lyle said to Darwin, how long do you think it would take one snail to evolve into another type of snail? 
Well, Lyle is basing his... Uh, sorry, Darwin is basing his theory of evolution off of Lyle's principles of geology, mm-hmm. uniformitarianism, and so Darwin says 20 million years. Yep, he's well, just hang on a minute. He's, yeah, he's basing it off of Lyle. Lyle's now basing it off of this around in a circular reason, and yep. all of a sudden, the Ordovician is 240 million years old. Wow. According to Darwin and Lyle. Now, modern secular scientists believe that the Ordovician is over 450 million years mm-hmm. old. Right? So that's all changed. Yeah. But suddenly out of the blue the world is 240 million years older than it was before right and these are dates that are just just yeah plucked out of the air we know that it's more complicated than a, a metropolis a city right one single cell has more information than you can possibly imagine it's extremely extremely designed and so it, the science at that point had not well certainly wasn't what it is today but then as science advances We're interpreting everything through the lenses of Darwin and Lyell and others. So when radiometric dating comes along, what are we trying to justify? The previous science that states that this layer is millions or billions of years old. And you have to realize that every dating method, whether it's carbon-14, radioactive, uranium to lead, potassium, any of these, and even really the assumption, you know, the whole argument about starlight and time and all that, right? All of these dating methods are all based on the assumption that the present is the key to the past, right. which is a pagan philosophical argument. Yeah, here's a, okay. I'm glad you brought that up because when we say that the present is the key to the past, in normal circumstances, you could expect if this stream is eroding at this rate that in one week it's going to erode whatever micromillimeters more, right? Sure. Well, that that's that's extrapolating into the future. Right. Right. Whereas what we're not doing is we're not taking into account historical data because exactly. yeah. historical yeah. data has shown there are such a things as tornadoes, hurricanes, mm. meteor mm. strikes, mm-hmm. local floods, mm-hmm. of course, we're, we're talking more globally, but, that, yeah. but what we know is that ice ages, everything we know about history is that it has been violent. There are changes, vast catastrophic changes that take place. So really, the past is the key to understanding everything. Yes, yeah. And it, it's making sure you take that account. And of course, well, how do you get details about the past? Yeah. Well, there's only so much that you can extrapolate from modern day observations because they're modern day observations right, right? <laughs> right, right so what do you need you need some eyewitness accounts okay and we have quite a lot you know if you have somebody who goes because this is the other mistake that lyle did right he went to niagara falls yeah in canada border of canada yep. usa and um he saw the erosion that was going on there and he asked the locals mm-hmm. the locals gave him one figure okay of a few feet a year uh-huh. and he said that sounds far too quick i'm gonna say it's much much slower than that right so he even ignored eyewitness statements but of course we have the eyewitness statement of the one who was there who actually created it all right and told us what what happened right but you have to realize that when you're dealing with any kind of dating method that relies on the present is the key to the past that really means that you are basing it on a pagan philosophy because uh-huh. the idea of millions of years, or really, let's start with the idea of evolution, yeah. was popularized by Charles Darwin, who based it on Lyle's promotion of millions of years, mm-hmm. who was influenced by people like James Hutton and the French revolutionaries who were deliberately set out to get, get rid of God, and Lyle set out to get mm-hmm. rid of God. The French revolutionaries borrowed from the pagan Greeks because mm-hmm. they wanted to get rid of God. The pagan Greeks were influenced by the Hindus, mm-hmm. who have no system of a singular moral 
royal god because you behave how you behave and right. you might come back as a rat or you might come back as a prince you know is the great cosmic you know dice yeah um they were influenced by the ancient babylonians and the sumerians who had an initial rejection of truth yeah Right. Which, again, then just goes right back to the Tower of Babel, where yeah. we're trying to worship yeah. the created more than the creator, where we're trying to build a tower to reach unto heaven, to communicate with the heavens, to to set up our own uh, areas of worship, whether that's astrology mm. or whether that's Absolutely, yeah. anything yeah. other than the pure worship of God. And yeah. it, Well, that's what naturalism and humanism is. Yeah. It's a worship of nature and self, Mother Earth. You know, it, it's you, promoting us to the level of God uh, and anything else that Mother where do we, where do we find, Where do we find that? Now that takes us back. You just brought it all the way back to the book of Genesis, where the ultimate ruse, the ultimate first big lie was Adam and Eve. Hmm. All you have to do is eat of that, hmm. eat of that tree. Did God really Did God say? really say that he really meant and and what you don't understand is that probably the reason he said that is because if you actually ate of that you're going to become like him you'll be your own god exactly doesn't that sound appealing to put ourselves in authority exactly yeah yeah and really the the whole thing is this question of authority you know if you take the pagan inspired philosophy of lyle and darwin as your authority you're going to have issues Mm -hmm. with trying to fit evolution and millions of years into the biblical account right but it is not a question of evidence it is a question of who or what your authority is wow it's really what it comes back to every single time let's go right back to the bible one more time because you mentioned that it helps to have an eyewitness especially on Mm -hmm. historical things there's a historical record um, that has stood the test of time uh, archaeology continues to affirm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not that we need archaeology to affirm it. I have no. faith that the Bible is true, yeah. but for those of those who are skeptics, right, those who are on the fence, those who are watching right now, uh, who, who may consider themselves atheists or agnostics, what we have to understand is that the, the biblical record has stood the test of time, and yet... It is. If it is what it claims to be, it is the inspired word of God, inspired by the creator himself who was certainly there when he created the universe, right? Mm -hmm. And then he allowed others to write down words to spell out for us not just the history of this world, but also the future. And that's the thing. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, right? right? Now, um, you know, if you're interested, you can look up presuppositional apologetics versus evidential apologetics and whenever anybody asks me what i think about presuppositional versus evidence i think that there's some good evidence for presuppositional apologetics right Mm -hmm. because you have to have a mixture of both now i do believe that faith is not dependent on evidence because faith is faith right Right. however if you have faith in the one who says he did something If that one really did something, you are going to find evidence for it, right? <laughs> yep. So we're saved by saved by grace through faith. We're not saved because we believe in a young earth. We're not saved because we see. Everything. We're saved by grace through faith. It just so happens that because it is true, yeah. this faith is not a blind faith. There is lots of evidence it's for an it, right? Faith. And it says in the book of Romans that God has stamped His nature into all of creation, so men are without excuse but to believe. So the evidence is there. And there is a warning there as well, because yeah. if you reject God, yeah. then he will hand you over to foolishness and you will become 
futile in your speculation, stupid in your thinking. And we've talked about several civilizations exactly, just in yeah, the last few moments. have just done that. Yeah. So be wary of rejecting God, but it goes on to give a, a beautiful promise that those who trust in him will be saved. <laughs> amen, amen. Thanks, Joe, for being here and for sharing that. It's been great. And thank you for joining us. On Changing the Narrative, I'm your host, David Reeves. Uh, we hope you'll join us next time, and let's change the narrative. Let's get back to the biblical worldview, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Find us on all social platforms to stay informed. Watch Genesis Science Network 24-7 for free on Roku, Fire TV, and on our website. <laughs>